Our speaker this morning um, is very familiar to a lot of us, but may not be familiar to some. He's held many roles um, in this church, um, but I think none more important than a brother in Christ. So it's my distinct pleasure to welcome Miles Bagley up here to, um, I don't know, lead us to the word today. Thank you. Good morning. It is good to be here with you. Uh, it's been a long time since I stood up here. Some of you don't know me, so I, I will just share a little bit about myself. Uh, there's really just one thing that you need to know about me for uh, this morning's purposes, and that is that I am a butterfly. Some of you are probably thinking, well, yeah, he's delicate and beautiful, so it makes sense. <laughs> That's not why I said it, though. What, the reason I mention that is because I have been through in my lifetime a bit of a, a transformation, a, a, a journey, a metamorphosis, you might say, like a butterfly. Started my life as a complete disaster. I grew up in a home where my mom cleaned and she did the laundry and she did all of those things and so I was a mess, but I didn't know it. And then I went to college. And for the first time in my life, I was outside of my home and realized just what a mess I was. I would leave piles of clothes all around because mom always did that. And, and I found myself to be a real disaster in, in terms of cleanliness. So bad that after my freshman year of college, where I went to school, you had to pay a little extra to have your own room, otherwise you had a roommate. I didn't have to pay extra my sophomore year. I got my own room because no one wanted to be roommates with me because I was such a mess. Just filthy. But over the course of my lifetime, I have made quite a journey. And I've gotten to a point where I am today where I am what some might call a clean freak. <laughs> My, it started with a few little things over time, but it became bigger and bigger. I, for example, really struggle with the idea of clean dishes. I, I own only clear glass dishes so that I can make sure that they are completely clean when I do them. I have a dishwasher, which has turned out to be a very good storage rack for all my cleaning supplies because I can't trust it. I have to do it myself. When my kids were at home, I would sometimes want them to help, but I was overcome by my own control uh, issues, and I needed to be able to do the dishes myself because I was just sure that my kids wouldn't get into the grooves of the butter knife quite like I would. And they wouldn't get every speck off the dishes like I would, and I needed to know that those were clean. And, and that is kind of who I am today. Unfortunately, it's kind of taken over. I'm a bit, a bit of a germ freak also. But because that, those things are, are so vital to me, I, I feel like I've got to do them myself because I just don't know that anybody else will take the care and be able to get them as clean as I can. Now, I don't know about you guys, but surely you're all somewhere on that spectrum. Maybe not quite as big of a mess as I was when I was younger, maybe not to the point of clean freak where I am today, but 
some of us are on that spectrum and we can kind of understand, we've probably met people on either side of that. We understand what those kind of people are like. I wish that that had anything to do with what I'm about to talk about. I don't have a good transition for that. But I do, before we get into God's word this morning, it will come back. But before we get into God's word this morning, I do want to just pray. And I'm struggling a little bit because they told me not to go past the edges of these tables. (laughs) For those that are watching a live stream, if I do go past that, it's probably because I'm doing something fantastic and amazing off screen. (laughs) But I'm going to pray for us this morning uh, before we get into God's word. God, you know that I shouldn't be up here. God, I'm here only because you've given me your word, and I want to share that this morning. God, I pray that as I speak and as I share your word, that you would take me out of the way, and God, that your word would speak, that your word would impact our lives in a way that that honors you and brings us closer to you. I thank you, God, for this opportunity, and I pray that you would use it for your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you turn with me this morning to Psalm 51? Pastor gave me the opportunity, which I take very seriously, to to stand up here this morning and to be able to share God's word with you. Uh, He gave me a whole list of psalms that I could choose. And I'll be honest, when he first asked me, there were two dates that I was going to be speaking. It's now just today, because he's not going to make this mistake again. But I saved my favorite one for the second date, which in hindsight was a mistake because I'm only getting this one. So, uh, but the more I've studied this psalm, the more I've understood how important it is that I preach this passage this morning. Psalm 51 is just a, a fantastic part of David's psalms. David is a poet, and there's something about poetry and and music. There's something about the songwriter and the poet that is so amazing to me because I can't do it. They're able to convey thoughts and feelings that are so deep and so full, you know, and, and they do that in a way that I could never do on my own, and so I'm so thankful for people like David who wrote these kind of poems. But I want to read through this and then we'll get into it. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again, for you have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. 
Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels for they will return to you. Forgive me for the shedding of blood, O God, who saves, and I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with the sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls again will be sacrificed on your altar. This, this poem this song, this prayer of David is such an impactful, impactful message for me. And I hope that it is for you. And I want to I work our way through it, but we need to understand the context in which David is writing this. You see, David has fallen into sin, deep sin. This is after his failure with Bathsheba and the adultery that took place there and further the murder of her husband in order to cover up that sin. And for nine months, David didn't deal with that sin. In fact, he continued to try and cover it up until the prophet Nathan came to him and said, I want to tell you a story and in that story, he revealed a situation that incensed David, and he thought, no, this man needs to be put to death. And Nathan's words to him were, you are that man. And confronted with the reality of his own sin, he was broken. And he said, I am a sinner. After saying that in 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan lets him know that God had forgiven him for that sin because of his confession. This is a difficult, a difficult psalm to read. And the first time through it, it really is so personal. I mean, this is the story of a broken man, a man who's been brought to his knees, a guy who is at the height of his power, the greatest king that ever lived. And he's been brought low by his own sin. And he cries out to God. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. One other thing you might want to know about me, uh, you probably don't want to know about, one thing you, I'm going to tell you is I also have a bit of a fascination with pens. I like pens. But that's led me on a journey of trying to find the perfect pen, the one that's just scratchy enough but not too scratchy, the one that lays down just the right thickness of line, the one that never skips, and the one that's just, it's got ink that's just vibrant enough that it appeals to me. I know, I'm weird. That, of course, leads to a whole other discussion about the paper that I'm writing on, and that I, there's a whole other layer there. But... In that journey of finding the perfect pen, I, of course, was led to the fountain pen. Uh, 
And those are a bit of a mess. You end up with ink on your hands all the time. But when you write with fountain pen, especially in a notebook, it's important that you do some cleanup afterwards. And they have a, a little thing called a blotter. And it, you kind of roll it over what you've just written so it soaks up any extra ink so that that ink then doesn't smear and, and, and destroy all this beautiful writing that you've done. I wish that I had beautiful handwriting because then that would add to the allure of the pen. But it blots up the ink so that it doesn't stain the rest of the page. And David here says, God, blot out my sin or blot out the stain of my sins. He's saying, listen, God, my, my sin has been a stain on my life. And I want you to take that away from, I want you to soak that up and pull it off the page. I want you to remove it from me. I don't want it to ruin everything else. He recognizes just how devastating this sin has been in his life. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. If you've ever dealt with your own sin, you know what it means when he says it haunts me day and night. Our sins have a way of coming back over and over again. They take on a life of their own in a sense. So that every time we try to do something good in the future, every time we try and do something right, our sins come back to haunt us. And they say, don't forget what you did that one time. Don't forget about that failure. Don't forget about who you really are. They keep coming back and they haunt us and they just won't leave us alone so that every time we do something right, it just doesn't matter because we recognize we're just sinners at heart. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is, is just. This is an interesting thing. As David says this to God against you and you alone have I sinned and he says, you'll be right in what you do. There's been some consequences for the sin that David was involved in. Consequence was he lost the son that was born to him through that inappropriate relationship. God said there will always be war in your household. There's some heavy things that have come to David's life. And he's not saying here, God, don't forget how I was, I was good. Remember all those things we did together? Remember the Goliath thing and how you were with me then? Remember all these? He doesn't try and, and unload all the good that he's done in his life to try and justify the, the one mistake or the one failure that he's made. No, he says, God, you're, you're right in what you do. Your judgment against me is just. It's fair. It's righteous. It makes sense. And I have no argument against it. There's nothing I can say to it. You're right. But then he says this, and I think this is maybe, to me, the most important part of this passage. He says, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb. 
teaching me wisdom even there. The Hebrew says, you desire honest, honesty in the inmost parts. You see, David comes to a realization here as he cries out to God about his sin, he's also becoming very self-aware. You see, he's writing this psalm, this poem, following this grievous sin in his life, but he's coming to the realization that this isn't just about that sin. No, he says, I've been a sinner since I was born. This started long before I failed with Bathsheba. I've been a sinner my whole life. I was born that way. And the opportunity is here for him to use that as an excuse. This is just the way I am. What can I do about it? But he sets up this really interesting juxtaposition here between who he is and who God is. And he says, I was, I, I've been a sinner since my birth, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. You see, God's different. There's no excuse for our sin. We're sinners. There's nothing that we can do about it. And that doesn't excuse us from the fact that we sin. Well, I, there's, I'm born that way. No, he says, you desire honesty, you desire truth in my inward part, in my inmost parts. At the very heart of me, whether I'm a sinner or not, you desire honesty, you desire truth. This is an interesting thing. God is the standard of holiness. When David said, against you and you alone have I sinned, it's because he recognized that all sin is an affront to God because God is righteous and he's holy. And as we read this psalm and we get to this point, David is now recognizing, I am totally, from the moment of my birth, I am totally depraved. I am a sinner and I can do nothing about it. But you, God, your standard is different. God is a bit of a clean freak. God desires purity. He demands it. Not just kind of clean, not just the kind of filmy, foggy, clean you get out of a dishwasher, but the kind that's impeccably clean. If you've ever tried to put a screen protector on a phone, you know it's impossible to get completely clean. You try and get every speck of dust off that screen, but you never do. There's always something there, some microscopic little dust that then creates a bubble that drives you crazy, or maybe that's just me. But God is a clean freak. He desires complete purity, and yet, that's something we're not capable of. Like my kids trying to help with the dishes, they're just not capable of reaching my standard of cleanliness. And for me and my sin, no matter how good I am, God's word tells us that David was honoring God with his entire life except this moment. This was his one failure. 
The rest of his life was exemplary. And yet even David recognizes, no, from birth, I am a sinner. There's that speck and I can't get rid of it no matter how hard I try. Oh, give me back my joy again. He says, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Give me back my joy again. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. It's the same sense there of blotting out the sins. Pull that sin away from me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. God alone is capable of the kind of cleanliness that he, he requires. And yet, he's willing to do that for you and for me. David recognizes here also that God alone is capable of creating things. You see, there's nothing that was going to change David's heart. From birth, he was a sinner, and there was nothing that was going to change that, but God could create something totally different. David's heart wasn't clean, but God could create a clean heart. God can make things out of nothing, as he did at creation, and David asked him to create a clean heart in him. God alone is capable of that, and on first reading, as you go through this psalm, this is a deeply personal psalm of, of repentance from David. And yet, the closer you look, you begin to recognize that this psalm is so much more than that. This psalm is really all about who God is. Though David recognizes who he is, this psalm is about the qualities and characteristics of God that David has become aware of, that David is familiar with. Are you familiar with the ode in poetry? Do you know what an ode is? Oh, sorry, it went too far. Still on camera. An ode is kind of an elevated form of poetry. It's a lyrical form that, that is really just very passionate and deep, often has a, a person or thing at its center. And they're lifting that up and glorifying it. And as you read through Psalm 51, you can't help but notice that David begins to do something right from the start that is remarkable and a bit of an ode to God as he begins to lift him up. Starting back at the start, he says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. He then mentions God's great compassion. He talks about God's purity and righteousness. He talks about his desire for complete purity. He refers to God as the source of wisdom. He alludes to the fact that God is the source of joy God is the source of purity. And all these things he begins to point out, he is recognizing who he is, a sinner. Impossible for him to do anything about it because from birth he has been a sinner. And yet, 
He is recognizing all these characteristics about God, which are complete opposite of who he is. God is righteous and pure and holy and wise and the author of purity and righteousness. If we look towards the end in verse 16, I want to point out something that he says here that I think brings home the whole idea of Psalm 51. He says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. What is David saying here? He's saying, listen, God, if there was anything that I could do, if there was anything I could do to remove the stain of my sin, if there was anything that I could do that would fix this, I would do it. But God, you don't want what I can do. You don't want my sacrifices. What you're looking for, God, is a broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart. What does that mean? You see, as, as David becomes very familiar with the real depth of his sin, with the real reality of who he is, he's broken and he's brought to his knees. But that often in our lives, that kind of real self-reflection would bring us to a point of depression. It'd have us feeling hopeless, and yet for David, that is not at all the case because he has lived life with God. He knows God, and he knows the kind of God that he serves. And so as he's broken and brought to his knees, it doesn't lead to depression. It leads to worship, and he begins to recognize that only God can fix this, but praise God, God can fix this. As he recognizes his own sin, he recognizes that God can fix this. God is capable to create in him a clean heart. And when he does that, David says, do that, God, and I want to tell other people about it. Do that, God, and I want to praise you for it. Do that, God, and you'll restore everything. Jerusalem will be restored. And at that point, let's read at the end. Look on favor with Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. David is saying, God, I recognize, listen, I know who I am, but praise God, I know who you are, and I know you can fix this. You can take this guilt away from me. You're going to restore me. I can have a relationship with you again that I so desperately miss. I can be brought back to you and restored I can be made clean even though I'm no, I know I'm not. In your sight, God, you can create in me a clean heart. And when you do that, God, I won't stop talking about you. I won't stop telling other people about you. I'll do everything I can to live for you in that sense. And at that time, you'll accept my sacrifice because I'll have made it with a right spirit. In order to get to the right spirit, we've got to be broken about our sin. I don't, I don't know where everybody's at this morning. I don't know what part of the spectrum you are on cleanliness. 
except I don't really care which part of the spectrum you are on as far as cleanliness is concerned. But I also don't know where you are on the spectrum of sin. I don't know if you've been walking with God or if you've had some major failure in your life. I don't know if you're broken by your sin or ignoring your sin. I don't know where you're at, but I know this. As I read through this psalm, I recognize that what's important to God is that when we understand who we are, it ought to break us. It ought to cause us to understand how far we are from the standard of cleanliness that God requires. But that should not lead to depression. It shouldn't lead to hopelessness. No, that should lead to the realization that God has provided a way for us to be made right with him. And sitting here today, we know that that way was Jesus Christ. God sent him to pay the penalty for our sin so that we can be cleansed and made new, so that we, be, we could be clean, cleaner than we've ever been since our birth. What an extraordinary and encouraging message that is. And, and what an incredibly encouraging word that is from David as he recognizes, God, I'm so far from you, but you can make that right. And I'm asking you, God, to restore to me the joy of your salvation. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been walking with God most of your life, but something has crept in and something has gotten in the way of that and, and you recognize that you're now far from God. Your relationship has been broken and you remember when things were good and things were right with God. Let the reality of your sin bring you to your knees. Let it break you. Because it's at that point that we recognize the awesomeness of who God is. The awesomeness of his standard. And though that's impossible for us to reach on our own, help us to recognize the awesomeness of his son, Jesus Christ, who came and paid the penalty for our sin so that we could be washed clean, made white as snow, Maybe you're here this morning and you, you've never really come to know Christ. You don't know what that's all about, but you're well aware of your own sin and the fact that it keeps haunting you day and night, never letting you forget about who you are. Don't let that drive you to depression. Turn to Christ. If you need to know more about how to do that, what that means, please, Come see one of the elders of the church. Come see pastor. Come see me. I would love to tell you about what Christ has done for you and what that means for you. See, God's word tells us that the wages of sin, the penalty for our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. Because of what he did on the cross, because he removed our stain of sin, we can be made right with God if we would repent and trust in him. Let me pray for us as we close. God, you know that I, just like everybody else in this room, we're all sinners like David is. We're all sinners from birth. There's really nothing that we can do about that. And yet, God, God, 
I'm so thankful for the reality of who you are. God, I'm so thankful that you are righteous and pure and just and holy. But as David pointed out, that you're also forgiving and compassionate. God, when David heard of the kind of sin that the man that Nathan was talking about was doing, David said he should be put to death. He had no mercy. Swift judgment was all he could see until he found out that that man was him and remembered his own sin. When he was broken by that sin, God, he fell on his knees and asked you for mercy because you're different than we are. You love us and you want a relationship with us. You don't desire for us just to follow the rules. In fact, you don't desire for us to do anything other than to trust in you. So I pray, God, that wherever today we are with our sin, I pray that you would help us to confess that sin, to recognize who we are, be honest with ourselves about where we are, and then, God, to turn to you, the one person who can do anything about it. And I pray that you would make us whiter than snow, that you would remove the the stain of sin from our lives and that you would make us pure in the way that only you can. I pray this in your name. Amen.